Welcome back to Corporate Rehab. I'm Michael. This is Nami. And Nami, I am going to let you start this one off because you, uh, I feel like, are really excited for this one. You specifically requested to talk about it. You actually ended up pretty much producing the entire episode, <laughs> uh, which is great uh, because when you brought it up, I was kind of like, eh, I, I, it's just not really a thing as mm-hmm. much in my world, even though I've gone through a couple of these now. Right. But um, I think this is just much more like a, an interest of yours, maybe. Right. Um, and... So I think you and I are both quote unquote children of M and A's, right? We've sure. gone through a couple, um, which is mergers and acquisitions. Yes, if you... yes, and we've gone through you know a couple of these, um, and I've also gone through another one um, outside of the company that you and I work for, and it's just interesting of what happens to the actual organization and the people and the culture when um, mergers and acquisitions actually take place. So I actually resurfaced an old article from Harvard Business Review titled Surviving M&A, and it said that roughly 30% of employees are considered redundant when firms in the same industry merge. But the authors say that the employees shouldn't dread the outcome, but rather embrace the process through conducting a SWOT analysis, which stands for Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. Uh, we'll link this in, dis- in the description, but... I remember when I just read the summary, I just kind of chuckled to myself. Yes, if I know I'm going through an m and I'm going to sit there and do a SWAT. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, kind of, it felt ludicrous, right? And I think when I actually read the article, I, I would say, okay, I get it. And so I did want to take some time, you know, talking about the pros and cons of going through an m and and as, you know, as two people who have gone through m as Yeah. And so... Uh... These came from the article, correct? The ways to get through this? Or um, were these things that you... No, I think it was... Um, yes, it, it did go through this. From the article, okay. Yeah. So basically, there are there are th- three different approaches to take. <laughs> so you can... The first being, and I think this is probably the one that most... Well, I would say the first two are probably what split people, uh, which is keep your head down, focus on the tasks at hand and hope everything turns out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think also people probably do a mixture of these. So this was, uh, I would say what a lot of people who probably are not great with change management Mm -hmm. would tend to do, Mm -hmm. which is almost like ignore the problem. If you ignore it, it's going to go away. Um, the second being polish your resume, start networking. Um, I will say, I think if you're waiting for a merger and acquisition to do that, it's you're probably a little bit late. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if, if I, I just think it's always good to be prepared. And I'm not, this is not saying I was always prepared. I was very rarely prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did get to a point uh, with our last company, at least, where I did feel like uh, when the second uh acquisition came through because mm-hmm. the first was a merger when the acquisition came through i actually felt fine because uh i wasn't global mm-hmm. uh, i was close enough to global to know that i didn't want to be global at that point <laughs> um but i you know i was just north america i was working on pretty much just a single brand at that mm-hmm. point because the other brand we had was was exiting mm-hmm. and so i you know 
felt fine. So I didn't really feel uh, the need for these first two. So I actually was doing the third, which was embrace the dynamic, mm -hmm. uh, intense integration process, and use that as an opportunity for introspection and growth, which is actually the way I started that acquisition. Mm -hmm. Obviously not the way it ended. Mm -hmm. um, but no matter which you choose, change management is needed. And I will say change management is one of those really dumb corporate programs that I actually think is really helpful. <laughs> and I, I really support people going through it because mm -hmm. uh, I, I like change. I embrace change, but it's still good to know the sort of process of change and like how you're dealing with it and where you are in that whole change management like right. scenario. I can't remember any of it. I just know enough to like really be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, going a little bit more into the topic. So in 2020 alone, there were a total of 17,748 mergers and acquisitions in the U.S., down from 2019's 20,603. This idea behind that companies can come together to achieve economies of scale, um, you know, I think you can see this happening, right? I, just even in the number of mergers and acquisitions where people think that, you know, if you are in the same industry, put them together and then boom, like, you know, economies of scale, right? Mm -hmm. Not always the case, but I feel like when these um, consultants come in, they take a look at your company, they're like, oh, you're beauty, you're beauty, let's put you guys together and boom, there you go. Now you've achieved economies of scale. I'm sure I am making it a lot simpler than what really happens, but I feel like sometimes that's the way it's done from the other side of it, right? And, you know, how does this really impact the people? How does it impact the culture? I think those are some key things that um, that that needs to be that need to be in consideration as these um, MAs take place. Yeah. So a uh, huge number of mergers in 2020, way more mm -hmm. than I, or mergers and acquisitions, but way more even in the last two years than I would have assumed. But I guess that's probably a lot of even just smaller companies yes. buying out their competition mm -hmm. and and that type of thing, or even newer industries. There's probably a lot of what I would consider almost like cannibalization of, of just like acquiring mm -hmm. smaller companies. Um, but some bigger mergers from 2021. Uh, in November 2021, Coca-Cola acquired Body Armor for $5.6 mm -hmm. the company's largest acquisition to date, to gain share in the sports drink category. Um, which I guess I thought Powerade was owned by... Pepsi? No, I think Powerade's owned by Coke. Is it? Because McDonald's has Powerade. And McDonald's is a Coke company. I, I have no idea who owns it. I, I don't either. I don't know as much about beverage. But mm -hmm. I, I was surprised to see that Coca-Cola felt they didn't have... I guess this doesn't say to enter. Gatorade is, I think... Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah. And that is that had the biggest the, market yes, share. That's yes. going to be the one that you're, mm -hmm. you're benchmarking against. Uh, 2021, Jack in the Box acquiring Del Taco. Uh, just on a personal note, I swear to God, Jack in the Box, if you ruin... <laughs> Del Taco. <laughs> I'll be so Their mad. flavors start to change. I love Del Taco. <laughs> I don't eat it that often, but it's really good. <laughs> uh, and then Procter & Gamble acquiring the hair care brand. It's a curly, actually, uh, brand. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Way. Yes, Way. Way. Okay, mm -hmm. Way. Mm -hmm. Like, protein. Because they make their jokes, or not jokes, but they have their, like... Yes way, no way. Like those oh, are. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I didn't. I. I. To be honest, never paid a lot of attention to way. 
Yeah. So I think going back to the Harvard Business Review article, um, you know, I think the key that I took away from that was that you have to focus on what you can control. Um, change is usually inevitable, so you will need to figure out where you stand. Stand, And I think, you know, there are a lot of different things that happen during an M&A. And, you know, some things are beyond your control. You can't do anything about it. So I think this is a good mindset to have, focusing on what you can control so that you have some semblance of, or you feel like you have some semblance of control moving forward. Mm. So the next being uh, strength. So what is your personal makeup and career background to be an asset in your new situation? And conversely, what would be considered a weakness? So this is really just looking at, um, you know, if your role ends up being redundant, Mm -hmm. what do you have personally, Mm -hmm. uh, whether, to be honest, I I think sometimes I get jobs off of just having like a decent personality and like (laughs) not terrible to be around. Mm -hmm. But I think that people don't put enough value on like, if you're just like an amicable person who Mm -hmm. like people just kind of like being around, Mm -hmm. that can result in you necessarily not always you know being on a chopping block Mm -hmm. of you know and I've had it said to me I won't even say who Mm -hmm. but I've had it said to me in the past of like don't ever worry we Mm -hmm. will always find something like you'll be okay I I don't in later years kind of stopped taking that so much to heart Mm -hmm. uh but at the time it was said i I believed the person that said it and i was like okay i i will because this happened you know amongst uh, a merger Mm -hmm. um and yeah and it really just boiled down to like we like you being around Mm -hmm. i was good at my job as well but Mm -hmm. you know i but you can take two people who are really good at their jobs uh, but if one is just nicer to be around than the other, you're mm-hmm. probably going to go with with the first one. Yeah. Although I do have a story of someone who I've worked with who's a who's complete, <laughs> complete Debbie Downer, but this person has managed to get through every single layoffs. And so... Was it you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I'm a Debbie Downer. I think no, I, not. you know, I am just, you know, realistic. <laughs> And um, in terms of opportunities and threats, so, you know, what are the chances of advancement or is your position duplicative? Um, And also, will the combined organizations be a place you still want to work? I think these are some crucial um, questions that you need to ask yourself of even if, let's say, there is an opportunity for you within this new organization, is this still an organization that you want to be a part of? And, you know, for me personally, it came to a point where I said, I don't want to be a part of this organization anymore. And I left. Yeah. Right. And so I think um, just all around good questions to be asking yourself all the time. But MNA brings about a good opportunity to really sit down and think through that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back and we'll talk a little bit more about it. All right, welcome back. So, let's just start us off, Nami. You have, I think, a lot to say about this. Yeah, so I think we can start off with maybe the opportunities that we felt like we had in an MA. 
<laughs> during an MA. Um, and I don't know if you ever felt like, okay, like here are the opportunities that I got within this newly formed organization. Um, but I wouldn't have had this opportunity had it been the old organization. Here's the tricky thing, I think, with coming up into sort of the corporate world the way that I did Mm -hmm. is because I was hired for a very specific skill set. I don't have a degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have some college behind me, so I did sort of know how to communicate with Mm -hmm. people. Um, in that way and I you know projects things like that like all of that I I kind of got from my couple of years uh, my couple of serious years of college Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that I always felt like I felt to be honest very boxed in Mm -hmm. and that like this is the one thing I can do there was really only one function that they would really allow us to do which was education Mm -hmm. and it was really hard to get out of that Mm -hmm. if you wanted to kind of grow in another and it wasn't impossible a lot of people went to sales in Mm -hmm. fact a lot of the sales uh, bigger sales people had come from education at some point Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a director I can think of that had come from education Um, and so there were there were opportunities, but when we did the merger, mm-hmm. it didn't feel... I was far enough away from it because I was still in the field. I hadn't come to the office yet. Right. And so all of the experience was very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that way, I never felt like there were more opportunities coming because any brands that the other company had that had a field presence that was all taken care of Mm -hmm. so it was a kind of an either them or us right but they also were very different they were retail brands uh they weren't really professional brands like what Mm -hmm. we had Mm -hmm. and so i think in that way it was just it was very different and then in the in the acquisition down the line which Mm -hmm. wasn't really an i don't know is that an acquisition kind of yeah we were sold off from the company we had merged to and they're now quote-unquote independent but not really and so anyway um that felt like going smaller so Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like more opportunities were going to arise necessarily Mm -hmm. but i think again i was very i think kind of pigeonholed in Mm -hmm. that like there were only a few things i i could really do within the organization a few roles Mm -hmm. so unless i was going to keep growing within education which i decided i didn't really want to right i didn't want to be global Mm -hmm. um i had considered that at some point but um that was really just to get out of the country and then then global moved to the u.s and i was like oh forget it like i'm not (laughs) yeah and i think you also kind of had to ask yourself the question of how relevant is your function as as the company moves forward in a direction right in a Mm -hmm. different direction um which i felt like it was mm -hmm. but right as i was leaving it was becoming clear other people did not think it was (laughs) and so and i even had to kind of of speak up to a leader to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you're saying the marketing team should be doing this, but who do you think tells the marketing team that it's me? Because at the end of the day, who knows how to talk to these two audiences that Mm -hmm. we're looking at? It's me. It's Mm -hmm. not marketing. Right. Um, And so, yeah, it it was, um, it it was getting, it felt like a little bit dicey Mm -hmm. for me toward the end, but that was also my, I was half out anyway. Right. Yeah, and I think for me, um, the 
So I'm actually going to talk about an experience that I had outside of the work experience that we shared together, where this larger company acquired the company that I was working for. Um, And on day one, I remember the new CEO said um, the the company that acquired acquired us said um, our culture will prevail. (laughs) Right. And you're kind of listening to that going what (laughs) and so basically they made it very obvious that that they were acquiring us and it's their way or the highway and you know it's really up to you on how fast you're going to assimilate yeah right and in addition to that um i remember you know they had an exec who flew out from the headquarter and he talked about I mean, just the arrogance that tripped off this man was ridiculous. But, you know, the way he spoke, he said, um, you know, I am here because I love helping people. And so if you don't feel the same way, then bring your resume and let's talk about an exit plan. Right. Yeah. And you're thinking the C-level executive coming in, talking to an entire team and he was so cavalier about it right of if you don't want to be here then don't be here i will i will help you out um and, <laughs> and so obviously i left that company because you know as much as he made us sound like you know the company was doing good and it was all about the good of the you know human race we all know that that wasn't quite it because of some of the conversations that were being had. Um, and so I just, you know, I said, okay, adios, I don't want to be a part of this. Um, just, and, and there was this, I, they were kind of looking down upon us because they were the ones that acquired us. Mm. Um, and so I said, okay, there are really no opportunities for me here. All I see are, you know, they just made it seem like, oh, we're all interchangeable. And they made that very obvious, right? Saying that you're, you know, take it or leave it. We don't really need you here, right? And so that's kind of assessing the opportunities and threats. I saw no opportunities. All I saw were threats. So I said, okay, I'll leave. And I left. Um, (laughs) And then we, you know, I then started working for the company where we met. Um, And for me, I think... Um, some of the experiences were good because in the first company that I actually got hired uh, through, um, if you were in marketing, there was a very set track that you had mm. to follow. You know, you had to do um, X numbers, an X number of years in your assignment mm-hmm. and you do, you know, anywhere between two and a two and a half assignments before you're considered to be next level. Um, and, you know, obviously in performance review, um, you know, in and out becomes very critical. Like, is this person going to make it to the next assignment or not to the next assignment? Um, but we, you know, became this new company and I was able to get I I was promoted in a lot faster time because I was able to show that I know certain things about, um, you know, marketing that maybe my 
peers didn't. And so that kind of set me apart to take on this new role as a director. Um, and so that was all great. But I think the the other part of it was where it was going. Um, it became it just so much pressure because we came from a very large corporation yeah. where the our businesses were a dime in a dozen and we were just a tiny drop in a bucket and then you know we come to this company and we're a little bit larger right or we are larger um and so there's more pressure on our performance are you talking about the first merger yes oh okay, okay. right yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. um we there is definitely more on our performance um, especially because the other divisions weren't doing as well so our division got you know a lot of pressure to perform yeah and then when we became independent it was like okay we stand alone on our financials and so there's even more scrutiny on your financials and what you're doing which also means that there's a lot more involvement from the top of wanting to know exactly what you are doing um, and so more and more micromanaging down the line, I would say. Yeah. And there's an interesting sort of notion going around right now. So I've, I've somehow gotten on corporate TikTok. I didn't really mean <laughs> to, um, but it's been useful in, in, in the context of the podcast, at least. But uh, there is this notion that, and I think we talked about this in the last episode, not this one, of... Uh, why leaders want people to come back to the office. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a notion that it's actually middle managers mm -hmm. that want people to come back because, and I don't think this was the case where we worked, where mm -hmm. middle managers didn't sort of have their own function. Like mm -hmm. they usually had their own job plus mm -hmm. overseeing yep. their team, mm -hmm. or at least in my experience, that's mm -hmm. kind of how it ended up working. But um, I think in a lot of more maybe more traditional companies or even bigger companies, middle managers literally just manage. They, mm -hmm. They're really not, they don't have their own tasks really that they have to get done. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually they who are worried mm -hmm. because if we can function independently at home and in our experience, we actually started doing much better, mm -hmm. which that was a, a, a bunch of different circumstances. We mm -hmm. happen to be kind of the right thing at the right time right but um you know our business really sort of took off once we started working from home mm -hmm. and we were really excelling mm -hmm. and when it came time to come back mm -hmm. everyone was like looking around and they're like why like why are we doing that right. and but through this because i think had we so at this point sorry we've gone through the merger and now we've gone through an acquisition mm -hmm. um I think had we stayed with the company that we merged with, mm -hmm. I don't think any of these conversations would be taking place. I think that, uh, and I don't know how they're working. I haven't really paid a lot of attention. I know their CEO has been getting a lot of praise lately. Mm -hmm. um, they changed CEOs just as, as we were exiting, mm -hmm. um, which I was really bummed about because I was really excited about that CEO. Mm -hmm. um, not excited about the CEO we ended up with. <laughs> um, sorry, but uh, <laughs> but I was really excited about the CEO that we left. And so anyway, all, all of that just to say, uh, yeah, it's interesting how I think things change so fast. So all of that happened within the span of just about five years. We were both hired knowing we were not going to work for the company that mm -hmm. hired us. We mm -hmm. were hired under a different company. 
it took me a really long time because both companies basically were having to like approve everything at once. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I also, mine was a little bit more complicated because I had relocation and all of that. Um, And I just, both experiences were so different. And I think a lot of us went into the acquisition thinking, okay, we've been through this. It had gotten as bad as I think anyone thought it was going to get Mm -hmm. because we had, I mean, supply issue. We just had every issue you could think of. Mm -hmm. But then going into the acquisition, I think we learned a lot of what went wrong technically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then we didn't think about like the people aspect of anything. Mm -hmm. So we were in a really great position uh, to, you know, to the to the point of what we talked about earlier of like, are you redundant? Like we knew we weren't because Mm -hmm. there was we weren't going into anything. We were going Mm -hmm. into a a void space where we were creating this company. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is, in my opinion, is we brought in so many people from the outside at once into Mm -hmm. leadership positions. Mm -hmm that didn't necessarily have the background in the industry that we were in Mm -hmm. and started making a lot of decisions Mm -hmm. without a lot of plans, Mm -hmm. uh, which ended up, I mean, by the time I left, uh, I mean, not to get too specific, there was just like no global team. Like they had just moved everything, but hadn't filled any of those roles or didn't do it in a transitional way. And so the local teams were left to sort of scramble Mm -hmm. to figure out what was going to be next because we had Mm -hmm. no plans, Mm -hmm. like nothing was coming. And I think that's where, you know, this idea was sold to us as an, oh, we're going to be independent. We're going to, you know, all the red tape is gone, which in some cases was true, Mm -hmm. but we were still the same company. Yeah. We had been since the first merger right. that we went through. They right. had gone through several other things prior right. to this. But, uh, you know, from the first merger we had gone through, I think that's what kept getting lost is it kept being we're the new company, we're a new company, we're a new company. But it was we were still kind of doing the same things we had always done. Like, mm-hmm. it's just there was no other newness. Yeah. It was very frustrating. Right. And I think you bring up a good point of bringing in a lot of leaders from the outside I think, you know, when you form this company, you want it to create opportunities for people who have worked there, right? And people who have, um, you know, made a difference on the business, right? And I think for a lot of people, when you saw these positions getting filled by outside, Um, Even if you weren't up for that promotion, even if you were not the right candidate, it just showed in general of, you know, okay, so are people's experiences and expertise not, um, not valued here, right? And, you know, is this a company that's not about growing talent, but just getting people from the outside? And then you think about your own career path and you're like, well, if this is where you're putting me or putting these people as their ceilings in their careers, I think a lot of people felt that this is not where I, this is not, this is not as far as I can go. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it just creates this culture of, okay, you're, you there's, you know, in one hand, you know, the PR aspect of like togetherness, right? And um, it just like kumbaya family, right? Yeah. But then when you actually think about it, 
um, and the decisions that they were making, it wasn't so kumbaya. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you, you bring up a really good point, which is for for career-driven people, and, and when I went into that specific organization, that was very much me. I, mm-hmm. I really wanted to grow. And when I first came in, I was like, oh, I want to have a team. I want to, you mm-hmm. know, go, go as far as I can go. And there was a point, and it really had to do with COVID, where I was just like, you know what, I'm just kind of happy. Like, mm-hmm. I liked the work I was doing. I really liked the team that we mm-hmm. had. Um, and really, that's when it started to fall apart for me, was when people started to leave. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed a lot longer, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. had people stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the last one, pretty much, of like our team to mm-hmm. leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did realize I was sort of waiting out someone else. Mm-hmm. And then once they left, I was like, oh, and like literally within a week, I think after that, right. I resigned because I was like, there's no point right, in staying right. if they're gone. But, um, but, but I think, you know, part of that too was being a little bit of what I talked about earlier of like being very pigeonholed. There was mm-hmm. not a lot of opportunity for us to grow. Mm-hmm. And it really creates a culture of hopelessness, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked for another much, much smaller company back when I used to teach cosmetology, mm-hmm. where if you looked at all of the leaders, mm-hmm. whether they were leaders of the educational institutes or in the offices or whatever, mm-hmm. they were all a part of the family mm-hmm. that owned the company. Mm-hmm. So whether they were a spouse, a nephew, mm-hmm. a son, did not matter. Mm-hmm. All of them made up the leadership of this company, or they were people who had been there for so long mm-hmm. that they were just sort of there because that's the role that they had 50 years ago. This mm-hmm. company, not 50 years old, but mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago when right. the, the company started to grow really large mm-hmm. um, and create sort of this corporate office and corporate environment. But it was the same thing. It just creates this culture of like, okay, well, I'm not marrying into this family Mm -hmm. i'm not i wasn't born into it so i guess i just work here for 50 years and like hope for the best like Mm -hmm. very few people really grew within that organization it was really really a very strange environment to Mm -hmm. be a part of but it it's almost like the opposite of where we were which is like no one is Mm -hmm. getting promoted very few people and the promotions that were coming out were very uh, cosmetic. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were not really functional promotions. They were they were title changes and mm-hmm. scope changes to get people to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's still happening, I mm-hmm, think, because mm-hmm. uh, th- there have been some promotions coming out recently that I've seen that I think are very similar to that, mm-hmm. which are, are kind of vanity title changes to get people to stay, to try to make people happier. Because I was working toward a promotion for a very long time by the time they finally came back around and were like, okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've, I lost interest a year ago. <laughs> like yeah. I did, like yeah. I, I was just over it because yeah. at that point I had, I, I mean, this is a conversation for a different time, but I had been severely mistreated at a different mm-hmm. point And I was just like, I'm over it. Like, I don't, I don't want to take on more. I was also tripling my workload mm-hmm. to, for like 20% more money. It wasn't much more. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, the, the, like the math is not mathing here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, th- this doesn't come out in my favor mm-hmm. to take on, you know, two more people's worth of work, mm-hmm. uh, for like a title change and a little right. bit more money. It just right. wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. And I think it is also, you know, the management, especially in this, 
as M&As are happening, um, you know, there are a lot of changes. And so, you know, what are you doing for the people? Um, yeah. And, you know, really understanding the motivation behind, you know, what makes a person tick, mm -hmm. right? Um, because, you know, for some people, it's not the title. For some people, it's not the money. Um, and a lot of different people just want to be shown appreciation in different ways. And I think if the management is intent on keeping their workforce, because you also don't want to cause so much change to your business to a point where there's no continuity, right? Mm -hmm. um, people are going to be the ones that are going to be a continuity where I felt like when I left, I was still getting kind of texts asking me, oh, I'm sorry, but can you, you know, let me know the status of this, right? <laughs> and I would say, okay, you know, because these are my people I worked with, yeah. so obviously I helped out. But um, I think, and you have to figure that out as management before it's too late, because once kind of like what happened to you of where you said, you know what, like, I don't want to grow anymore within this company, I'm over it there really isn't anything that they can throw at you that will make yeah. you want to stay. Yeah, well, and I had that conversation with HR about, uh, I said that I don't, well, they, the original title I would have been happy with, then they changed it on mm -hmm. me and then I was not happy again. <laughs> uh, but I basically just broke it down and just said like that again, it's just like that this does not end up coming out in my favor. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it is, a significant salary increase. I wasn't saying it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, I was fortunate to continue to find myself in positions where I was consistently making more money than mm -hmm. I had ever made. I was never going backward, mm -hmm. which was great. Um, but I had just gotten to this point where I was financially comfortable between my income and my husband's income. And I knew I didn't want to be global. I knew I didn't want to be an executive of any kind. And so I was kind of like, well, I like the work I do. Mm -hmm. It is fun. Mm -hmm. um, it is easy at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Like it wasn't super strenuous work in my mm -hmm. opinion. Like mm -hmm. it, it was, it was fun. But anyway, mm -hmm. it just, yeah, that I kept the, the person from HR just kept trying to be like, oh, but you know, what about this? So what about this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I just truly don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care about any of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that by that time I already sort of knew I was leaving. I didn't mm -hmm. know exactly when mm -hmm. I had given myself, when you left, I had given myself about a year mm -hmm. uh, because that was what was lining up with some school stuff and, mm -hmm. and whatever. Cause I am in school. Um, and then once this other person on our team left and I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to leave. Uh, I think that call with HR happened the day after I found out mm -hmm. that that person was leaving. Mm -hmm. And I even brought that up of like, because I think the person from HR was like, well, you know, for all the people leaving, you don't know the ones we saved. Mm -hmm. And all I said back was, but I know the ones you haven't because <laughs> I've had conversations with them. And yeah. like, I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like they are financial issues in some cases where these people have been asking for money and you're saying no. And then mm -hmm. they leave and all of a sudden there's money. Like mm -hmm. don't, it's a game. Like don't mm -hmm. pull that. And, and I think that's what is really frustrating entering into things like this of whether it's a new company or in our case, we ended up going to a new company and going independent, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
it all just ended up being the same. Nothing mm-hmm. ever changed. I think that's what ended up being so frustrating is we kept being told, oh, it's going to be so much better and better and better. And after the merger, I think a lot of us thought it couldn't get worse because a lot of us did not like working for the, the company at the merger. <laughs> but we had moved on, but it just continued to get worse. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I pointed out my accident. <laughs> I was just like, I literally said like, we didn't think it could get worse mm-hmm. than this point. Mm-hmm. And it's only continued to mm-hmm. just deplete and deplete and deplete. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, I'm sure it's a frustrating thing from HR standpoint. I understand HR is really limited on what they can and will do. But I, I just think that from, I, I think from what we experienced, a lot of it could have been fixed with. Mm-hmm. proper yeah. HR. And I mean, a lot of other things too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and cause I know we're a little bit over time, but the other thing, so I've worked for a company cause every company has a set of values, whatever, mm-hmm. not everyone, but most of them have a set of values and you know, they put these on their website. They, they, they talk to the, their people about these, mm-hmm. but I have worked for a company. It was a beauty retailer that the values actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had gotten in trouble. I didn't get in trouble. I had made a decision based on the value set, mm-hmm. uh, for a, a customer and the manager of the store I was working in got really mad at me. She came in and was yelling at mm-hmm. me. Like she had never been this mad at me and we worked really, really well together and I literally said, listen, I, I said the value. I broke down what that value meant. And I said, I felt like I was using that value correctly. Mm-hmm. She immediately calmed down. Mm-hmm. She may have not agreed with it, mm-hmm. but she understood where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. But a value set can't just be a way to make PowerPoints. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of companies fall in the trap of. And mm-hmm. I think that especially in the case of a merger and acquisition when things are Mm -hmm. shifting and and you're scrambling trying to find your culture. And I just think if companies would focus a little less Mm -hmm. on developing a culture and just kind of letting it happen and guiding it versus sort of shoving it down your throat and saying, this is our culture, this Mm -hmm. is what we stand for. Mm -hmm. Because to be frank, I didn't stand for some of the values that we had. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand them. I didn't agree with them. But more importantly, I didn't see them being modeled anywhere. Mm. And so there was one in particular, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about entrepreneurship. And it's like, but, <laughs> but that never happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Am yeah. I getting too specific? No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because I, you know, I think we saw those values being shown at every town hall oh physically right just, <laughs> okay. just, just shown just on words right yes. yeah on yeah. powerpoint and i mean this was not just the most recent one but even previously oh, this was right? yeah consistent like yeah. you know the only times it would come up is maybe during performance reviews performance where you have reviews. to write like how are you living out your values but you weren't really seeing this being lived out and again i think it is and i'm not saying that work has to be like family right that's absolutely not what i'm saying at all but you are still creating a community right and you want these people who are working there to be of like-minded individuals who want to carry out the same values right um like-minded not being you know being monolithic but yeah not a hive right but But you are going you're working toward a common goal right exactly and i think it just wasn't demonstrated in a way that was um, that I felt like was being demonstrated in a way that other people can model after. Um, and I think that was lacking. And 
again, I think that just goes into the whole conversation of M&As and, you know, you don't create a culture on a PowerPoint slide. Yeah. You, you actually need people to live that out. So how are you going to actually accomplish that? I think is a key question that um, companies need to ask themselves. Yeah. And, and, and I think on the values, I mean, truly that the beauty retail I worked for, I, I would quote the values consistently. Mm-hmm. I would use it with my, my team members to coach them. Um, not in a preachy way, but just in a way of like, these are the f- it's five things. It's not hard. Like, these are the five things we do. And if you follow these five things, and I, I would use it as a like, this is how you make decisions. If you have a decision, you're not quite sure what to do, mm-hmm. run it through your value system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where what we were experiencing uh, where we were working together is that uh, no one was using this value system. Mm -hmm. It was never referenced in meetings. It was never referenced as a way of like, Mm -hmm. you know, we would run into a lot of situations where we would be making decisions together, whether it was us as a group or us and another cross-functional team or whatever. Mm -hmm. But those things never came up. Mm-hmm. We would talk about brand values and mm-hmm. we would, you know, we would talk about those things, but we would never talk about like what our company's values were, because I think at the end of the day, we knew no one else was, was mm-hmm. using those. Our leadership was not using them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a very specific uh, situation that happened where I had said to you, because uh, I thought I was going to have to talk to a, a very high level leader about mm-hmm. something. And I basically said, well, if this person can act this way, mm-hmm. it's telling me I can act this way. Mm-hmm. And all you said, because I think we were texting was, uh, I think you said stick to facts or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was probably good advice. I was very upset, but it was probably better advice. But, but that is how I felt is I was like, well, if this person, mm-hmm. this person was a leader mm-hmm. who was, real out of pocket a lot of the time if they can act that way you're telling me everyone can act that way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if it's if it's at the top Mm -hmm. then and i think that's why again like you can talk about culture all day long Mm -hmm. but if it never comes to life Mm -hmm. then it's just a conversation and and i think that was one of the most frustrating things is like I, I do earnestly try to contribute to a, a culture of a place I want to be at mm-hmm. because I have to be there 40 uh, whatever hours mm-hmm. a week. And and even when I'm home, you know, even when we're in the office, even when mm-hmm. I'm home, I'm checking teams and mm-hmm. checking email and uh, responding to, you know, one-off texts, things like that. So I, I want to be at a place and, and work at a place that is fun and, mm-hmm. and just not terrible to work at, but like everyone has to be working toward that. I think that's where things were not. I think there were some people who were very happy to, uh, be miserable Mm -hmm. and, and make everyone around them miserable. Mm -hmm. All right. We're really over time. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we're going to wrap it up. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at corporate rehab pod on Instagram, corporate rehab pod for real time thoughts and reactions. Uh, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Nami. Thank you, Michael. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.